but I wanted to uh, share with you guys about a couple things. Every one of us has been grace gifted, but at the same time, everyone has just been common grace gifted. The difference between common grace and saving grace is that common grace teaches that every person on the face of the planet, past generation, present generation, the future generation, has been blessed by God. Intellectually, socially, creatively, we've been blessed by God. But, um, uh, but it is not directly connected to salvation in Christ alone. Are you with me? Uh, uh, amazing grace, saving grace, teaches that because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for you and I, what he did in his burial, in the miracle of raising again on the third day, spending 40 days here on earth, as Acts 1 teaches, that he spent preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, those who have been saved and been a part of that story or is continually progressing through that story, that's eternity. That's eternal life. And I want to share with you guys a couple things. Every one of us have senses. God has commonly, graciously given us senses, every human human being. We've been gifted with, with what we see, what we hear, what we what? Feel, right? And what we taste, right? And all of those senses, I want to share with you a couple things that comes dear to my heart as we really set up this journey of the gospel of Mark today, continuing through it. And it's the sense of what, all right, what we taste, all right? Now, as a Kanaka Maole, all right, by blood and re- born and raised here, I-, I got the glorious opportunity to live four years in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Can I get a witness in there, right? I was the 1% Hawaiian, Kanaka, where I was, okay? Promise you, promise you, right? I was the only one. And, and I was with my, my lovely wife, my, my beautiful holy wife, I love Lane Tomaselli. They, they took me to this place in Bell Buckle a part of Bedford County. You probably would never hear it unless I'm going to share you it today. It's probably the only time you'll hear it. And there's a place in Bell Buckle, a small little town, a couple hundred people. In fact, Kahu Marcus McBee, who was up on the stage earlier, he went to the school down the road called Cascade High School, all right? And there's a, there's a place there called Bell Buckle Cafe, all right? So it don't take much. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can I get a witness? Amen, right? Like, like, it is, man, I'm telling you, it's next to heaven, all right? When I got there, it's just this antique shop, you know, small little hole in the wall, and you go there, you eat your country meal and all that, and it was good, it was ono, really ono, right? And, and my, wasn't, wasn't pow yet, wasn't done yet. My mother-in-law go and say, oh, brother, get, get dessert coming, and then they said oatmeal pie. Now, as a Hawaiian, we don't eat oatmeal pie, right? Oatmeal raisin bran, raisin bran is the closest. Can I get a witness, Hawaiians? In there, we don't eat oatmeal, Hawaiian. Come on, right? The only thing I can think of oatmeal is the Quaker on that box. You know what I'm saying? The Quaker brother, right? The Mennonite, whatever you call it, right? And then so, so I said, okay, let's try it, okay? And man, I got this plate, and it was not a bowl. It was a plate as big as my dinner plate, right? Had this big piece of oatmeal homemade pie on it. All right, and this is where the game changer is, okay? All right, the auntie of uncles back there when sprinkle caramel and, sh- and brown sugar. Like if you're diabetic, just close your ears today, okay? <laughs> and then better yet, the bugger put one big scoop of vanilla bean ice cream on this bugger, okay? And then my father-in-law would train me right, you know? He said, brother, you get your spoon 
and you put the, you cut the cake and the ice cream one time, and you put them in your mouth. Let me tell you, if, if, if we believed in re-salvation, I was saved all over again, okay? <laughs> my taste buds, right, lavished my heart, all right? Like, I remember the thing I said, I, man, when Jesus comes back, this is what I told my in-laws, I want to be right here in Bedford County at Bell Buckle Cafe, <laughs> right? That's the joy, right? So, so that's, my, that's the taste. But I want to hear, I want you to talk about one other sense. We're not going to talk about all the senses. But the next sense is what we hear, right? Living in Hawaii, this moku nui, this moku okeave, as Hawaiians know it. Living in Hawaii, there's so much things to hear when you wake up, right? You hear the kamakani blowing in and through our homes. We, we hear the makai crashing on the seashore. We hear the malie, the calmness of the waves and all that. And there's so much things you hear that is beautiful. But for me, what I love listening to every day, and this morning was a specific situation, is hearing footsteps running through the house. I love hearing my three baby boys running in the house. It's very symbolic to me when he talks about life, right? That my boys have life. They have ola. They have mana. You know, they, they, they're running through the house. And what that does, that, that reminds me of Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about the armor of God, specifically the shoes, and the shoes is, no, is recognized as the gospel feet of peace. When I hear my little two-year-old, Kainakoa, the warrior that he is, running through the holiday, right? I hear God. I hear the words of the gospel and the words saying, come to me, just as you are. I hear Man, I, I hear my father's footsteps because my father was a kahwin. He shared the gospel with me growing up. I, those footsteps remind me of so many things, but ultimately it reminded me about the penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. You guys know me. I want kanaka and I want brada. I will speak contextualized this morning because that's who we are. That's our, that's our heart language. But I want to speak to you from the lens of the gospel. We are an expository church, meaning we go through books of the Bible verse by verse. In year one, we completed Ephesians in about a year and a half. For the next three years, we went through the book of Acts verse by verse. And in just last two months ago, we finished the book of Acts. And last, this month, we've, we've kicked off the gospel of Mark. And we, we decided to go through the gospel of Mark because like many locals, Hawaiians specifically, we are like Mark before Christ. We are kolohe bagas, Right? We are people who are rascal. We are people who are defiant. We are people who try test the waters with authority and leadership. We are just like Mark, but later on we see that Mark grows in his relationship with the Lord Jesus. And in that relationship, the first gospel that is recorded in history comes out of this brother named John Mark. And we've been going, we've been, we are in week three, and we landed on verses 12 and 13. So if you got your word, would you stand with me in the beautiful reading of Christ's word? If you don't have your Bible with you, it will be up on the screen, but I want to encourage you to have a written form of the Bible, whether it's by literal pages or smartphone or, or stupid phone, whatever phone you have, right? And I want us to read through this beautiful text. I want you to see how Jesus is the answer and model, all right? 
to everything that we deal with in life. Ho'omau kaukau. After Jesus' baptism, verse 12 states, the Spirit, say that word with me, immediately. Say that word again, immediately. All right? Aviv, here we go. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the where? Wilderness. And Jesus was in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days. Being tempted by who? Satan. Not figuratively, right? Literally Satan. And Jesus was with the wild animals. And the angels were what? Ministering to Jesus. God, we, um, we need you. We just don't need one out of sermon that go in one ear and out of the other ear. We need to be pricked by your gospel today. God, we need to stop going through the motions of church. And in your sovereign grace, God, would you awaken our hearts so that the songs that we sung wasn't just words from our lips, but a cry of dependency from the pu'uvai, the hot Lord. So, Lord, we pray that you would cry out our dependency through us, in us, for the glory of your name, God. Or whatever people are expecting for what church looks like, would you wash that clear? And would their expectation be willingness? A willingness to hear from you, God, that comes from your spirit. We love you so much, Jesus. And your Johanna says, Amen. You may be seated. My message today is entitled Facing Temptation. How many of you need a word for that topic? Can I get a witness, right? When facing temptation, let me just be honest with you. The great model for anybody in this life is Jesus, all right? We're going to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer or the kids' cakey church answer today, all right? As much as we think it's not deep in us, it is deep. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And so we see this beautiful picture of the Gospel of Mark being written out directly to Gentiles, right? Specifically, the Roman Gentiles in the area of the Savior of the world, the Lord of the world, lived in bodily form, in flesh. His name is, help me out, Jesus, all right? You came to a Christian church this morning. So don't be surprised that we talk about, help me out, Jesus, all right? We, want, we don't apologize for that. As a Kolohe boy growing up in my depravity on this Aina, I thank God that I had people that witnessed to me about Jesus. And what a great platform today is to pass the baton of the name of Jesus. So I want us to see two things connecting the dots when it comes to facing temptation in our small two verses. Ho'omau kao kao. Number one, we see the connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Verse 12 brings off these, uh, the following baptism of Jesus. And when we continue on, we see significant relationship. Hear me out. A significant rela- and important relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Right? We see a beautiful picture, as Kyle Marcus said last week, of the Godhead. The Trinity, every doctrine, every theological doctrine offshoots from our understanding of the Trinity. Can I get a witness? 
If we cannot understand the Trinity, all right, every other doctrine does not matter because everything flows from the Trinity. We know this through Scripture, and that is why Scripture is, is, is very important. That in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says all Scripture, right, was breathed out by God. Does that make sense? That Scripture reveals the Trinity. The word Trinity is never in the Bible, right? It's the picture. It's the word Godhead. But we believe that the Trinity is expressed, as Kyle Marcus says, as three in one, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you see a progressing relationship with Jesus and God the Holy Spirit. I want you to see Mark 1, verse 12. Let's break that down. Let's look at it. It says the Spirit, right? who is also God, the Holy Spirit, right? Immediately, the Greek word for immediately means without delay. Like we're straight from baptism, Hawaiians, we're going, all right? Like we, he did not delay after Jesus was baptized. The Holy Spirit of God immediately grabbed Jesus, right? And the word says here, and drove him. The word drove in the Greek language is to be forced. He was physically forced. Let me tell you something right here. If I never know you and you ain't push me somewhere, you gonna get pushed back, Hawaiian. Why? Because I don't know you. I don't know your pool vibe. I don't know how your heart sit, and I promise you, even as a pastor today, you shove me. I get angry issues. I'm still struggling with that. No trip. He ain't done with me yet. <laughs> like, like I, I struggle with anger, and that's why I coach football, right? So I can use it to good use, right? <laughs> and that's, that, that is the joy. I know you guys are you guys being too serious in your lines, <laughs> Right? I believe there's a higher calling for pastors. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. But can I just be with you today and honest? I struggle. All right? I struggle. My wife even, like, talked about my dress struggle this morning. Right? <laughs> like, I get, like, we, it's not laundry day. I promise you guys, it's not laundry day. I just dress like how I feel today, you know? Right? I was cold. I was lazy. Right? I was like... Hi, uh, at least I match my colors almost, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Like, I really believe the Holy Spirit drove me into this lila, you know, whatever. <laughs> that, that's what it's about. But I want you to see what happens in the relationship. Let's point to Jesus. I want you to see what happens between the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There was a unique bond. The Holy Spirit of God drove Jesus forcefully Move Jesus. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm forcing you today to Jesus. And if you don't like it, I'm praying for you. But please, but please, don't punch me. Right? So the Spirit... God, immediately, meaning without delay, drove, meaning force, Jesus out into the wilderness. Today, when you leave those doors, you'll be forced out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And as a man broken over my own sin, 
the transparency of the gospel is that we would be filled with the Spirit of God. We wouldn't have sermons that go in one ear and out of the other ear, but we would truly be filled by God's Spirit. Not trying to look cool for today's culture or relevancy, but we would stand on the reformers of the old, the pastors and preachers of the old, of the same thing they stand on. Not the relevancy of culture, but the ever so moving power of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. I want just, I want, I want Kanaka that in need of Jesus this morning. I'm a Kanaka because of Jesus in need of his Ohana. Today we see a beautiful relationship between God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Beautiful relationship. Look at this biblical truth. It says this, the gospel teaches us. Help me out. Read it along with me. One, two, three. That Christianity is about a relationship with God. If you think it's about what you do for God, that's the problem. We all in this room have fallen short of God's perfect standard. We continue to fall of his perfect standard because we are human from a fallen race. We've been imputated with sin. Babies too. We all have not, we've all sinned. So, so, so the, the foundation of us understanding the Trinity is through a love relationship with the Lord Jesus. Do you have that relationship today? Do you have that fellowship today? So here's the question. How does the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit impacts us as followers of Christ? Now, now I don't want us to blurb out the answer about what we think is true. I want us to look at the text. And out of verse 12, it's clearly stating this. And here's the answer. In my paraphrase way, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead, listen to me, that gives us a new, here you go, listen to me. Here's the manna in these words. It not only gives us the new, but listen, hear that word out again. And what? Ongoing relationship with God through who? Jesus. That should be glory all around this room. That should be hallelujah and amen all around. That should jack you up this morning. Why? Because the holy God has decided to redeem sinners back to holiness through his son. That should jack you up. That in your depravity, in your sin, in your pilakia, in your opala, we deserve the ultimate penalty of death. But in God's grace, he sends his spirit to let us know about his son. Hallelujah. The gospel is not old news. The gospel is good news. Ongoing good news. We don't need better strategies or more money. We need the verbal, articulated, convincing, heart-piercing word of God that's found through the Spirit of God in Scripture. That's why I'm passionate 
about Jesus because I know in and of itself I don't deserve his grace. Jesus is the game changer. And the Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us. I want you to see what we believe in Titus chapter 3. It talks about the Holy Spirit in this way. God saved us, not because of works done by what? Us in what? Righteousness, all right? Not us. No, 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 hallelujah. Not us. Thank God. But according to his own mercy, listen, this, here's the Holy Spirit, by the washing of regeneration, which means to be born again, to new birth, and renewal of the who? So what does the Holy Spirit do for us? He regenerates us. It's, it's the picture of the Trinity. God gives his son. The son gives his life. The Holy Spirit gives us life. Regeneration, renewal in the spirit, right? He goes on to say that whom he poured out on us richly through who? Jesus Christ, our Savior, the cross, right? This is what we believe. We are a Southern Baptist church. We're not ashamed to say that we love our Baptists. Can I get a witness in here, right? We are Baptists. When people come in this church, they don't think we're Baptists because of the expressions of our, our faith and all that. But that, that, that's not what makes us Baptists, all right? What makes us Baptists is our theology and number two, our missiology, all right, Baptists have one of the biggest mission agencies in the world. Actually, I'm a church planter out of one of those agencies, the North American Mission Board. My wife and I planted Ohana Church oh, four and a half years ago, and you can see what, what's happening today. God is doing mighty works in, our, in my hometown of Hilo, Hawaii. And so what a joyous picture of that. And we see baptism as a platform, right, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've noticed that baptism doesn't save us, right? But it's a picture of what God has done in our hearts. So we want to talk to you about what we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It may look different from some of your backgrounds. We are more a baptistic view of the Holy Spirit. We believe once you are saved, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You get God's spirit. Now, whether you want to use the terms or not, or the, the, the language baptism in it, what, eh, whatever floats your boat, floats your boat. But we do not believe there is a second salvation experience. We believe when the pricking of the heart happens, right, right we respond to God by grace, we repent of our sins, and we trust in Him, we are regenerated. All right, we, we are giving God's spirit, and we base Romans 8, 9 on that. That if you don't have God's spirit, you're not his child. Okay, so, so we want to be honest, but this is what we believe. It's on our website. If you've been to our Next Step class this past Tuesday, Kyle Marcus shared on this. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is fully what? God and a person, not in it. He convicts the world of sin. Well, let's stop right there. Not in it. I grew up in a church where people would ball up the Holy Spirit and throw them in crowds, and you were supposed to fall, okay? Let me, tell some, let me tell you something. If you think you get the mana and power for wrap up God into one ball and throw them, you're going to get cracks, Hawaiian. And like we tell our kids, cracks are free. Like salvation. Right? Now, I'm not saying that, that God can't make people fall, but, but we've got to be consistent with Scripture. Right? 
Scripture, and we want to look at Scripture, we, we don't see this fanaticism practices through Scripture. We see self-controlled. Even when we was raising our hands and shouting to our it was self-controlled because I really believe it was led by the Spirit. Nobody was hindered by each other, how we communicated to God our love and our desperate need for each other. But we were, we were united in the Spirit. It goes on to say, uh, He, the Holy Spirit, convicts the world of sin. Help me out righteousness, help me out, and judgment, hear me out, and is the supernatural agent in, help me out, regeneration, okay, he baptizes all believers into the body of Christ, and indwells and seals them for the day of redemption, the Holy Spirit is an, is an aiding helper, can I get a witness there, right, teacher and guy, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit don't just exist in the church down the road with the fiery dove, picture on the front door, okay? The Holy Spirit exists where the gospel exists. If the gospel is faithfully being proclaimed and preached in the church, right? Not the building, the body, right? The Holy Spirit exists there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does more than just point us to emotional reactions. The Holy Spirit of, and I'm emotional right now, I'm sorry, okay? The Holy Spirit of God points us to Jesus, Jesus points us to the scriptures. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit is much glorified through that process. Well, God just gave me a word. Well, he has. He gave you 66 Bibles, 66 books, Hawaiian. Well, I just don't have a word to preach. Well, pick one. Right? There is a joy when we understand that anything we believe in, anything we dream about, anything we see must line up with what we believe in the text. If not, we're going to start cults. This keeps us safeguard. This keeps us in, in one accord. But I want you to see that the Gospel of John 14 gives us more, more detail of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to understand one thing, why the Holy Spirit was necessary for Jesus in the, gar, in the wilderness. Number one, Jesus was 100% man. Well, how, how does the science work, right? It just works, Hawaiians. It just does, right? This is why we live by faith, not by sight. Okay, we trust in it. He was 100% man. So the Holy Spirit, we see, guides Jesus. The whole, in his humanity, the Holy Spirit guides Jesus specifically to the wilderness. Why the wilderness? Well, because Jesus would demonstrate to every Christian and believer on the face of the earth what it means to spend time in the wilderness. All right? And now we got to look at a different gospel account to see what happened in the wilderness. Ho, mau, kau, kau. You sure? All right, one of you. All right. Luke 4 says this. And Jesus, here's a different account of the same passage through Mark. And Jesus, full of the, come on, baby, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the what? Wilderness. You see the different kind of writings between Mark and Luke? Mark is a straightforward brother, right? Like, he uses force. Luke uses the word led, right? And sometimes we can get caught up in terminology. It means the same thing, guys, all right? He was led. He was forced. Two, for 40 days being tempted by the who? The devil. Now, figuratively, literally. And he ate nothing during those days. So he what, guys? He fasted. And when they were ended, he was what? Hungry. This is where theologians believe he, he fasted from food alone, but he drank water. 
Okay, this is where he believed. Number three, the devil said to him, now imagine 40 days, got this, got this evil devil influencing you, right? Devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by what? Bread alone. And the devil took him up to, the, to show him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Let's stop right there. Right? Jesus is dropping bombs on the devil right now, Hines. I mean, he's dropping it. That didn't work, so he goes on to a new temptation. Just like the devil. Amen. Can I hear this in there? Right? Verse 5 again. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours, Jesus. And then Jesus answered him, it is written. Here's the bomb. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you, what, serve, right? So that didn't work. Satan goes on to the next one. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to what? Guard you. Verse 11. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. All right, here comes Jesus in all his glory. And Jesus answered him, and he said, you shall not put the Lord your God, your God, Satan, Satan, your God. Right? To the what? Help me out. To the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, meaning there was more than three, he departed from him until an opportune time. When was that opportune time? The cross. The cross. It is clear from this text that temptations are tools of the devil. It is the, look, we know this from John 10, 10. The enemy, help me out, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. While Ohana Church is loving people to the beauty of Christ, the enemy, Satan, is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. We even see it in uh, 2 Peter, uh, 1 Peter. He is the adversary, roaring like a, roaming like a roaring lion. I want you to see how Jesus addresses every temptation in the Luke account. Look at this, biblical truth. All temptation must be addressed, help me out, the way Jesus addressed them with Scripture. What does that mean? Hawaiians, memorize your Scripture. You know why you're being attacked and you fall victim to being attacked? Well, let me say it again more. You're human, okay? But that is not an excuse to sin more. If you experience the real Jesus then the real Jesus is mighty to save sinners. You heard me? Maybe the issue is, as we've been preaching for the last few months, you're not experiencing the real Jesus. Therefore, that's why you're always falling victim to your temptation. Because the Jesus you submit to is a weak, homeboy, hippie-looking Jesus. And that's not true. Jesus is not your homeboy. He's not your hippie friend. 
right? He's not no Malahini. He's strong, he's high, and he's lifted up. He's seated on his throne, clothed in glory, and the train of his robe is filling this temple. What is the temple today? You. God's glory in you. In crazy Kanakas like me, we get Jesus. We get his spirit, right? And we're reminded God's not a weak God. He's strong. Our God is greater. Our God is Look, I don't even ask them to play these songs. They just play them. Not knowing I'm going to line up with Scripture. Hallelujah. Right? Scripture. How is your memorization going each week? We're all guilty that we could be better at memorizing Scripture. And what we must do with our word, we must meditate on it. The way we hunger for smoked meat, like kahuzik, right? Wild, domestic, no matter Hawaiian. I know Judge. Give them to me. Right? Especially free, hallelujah. <laughs> like salvation, hallelujah, right? Cost, cost God his son. Cost everything, right? So, so all, tentation, all temptation must be addressed the way Jesus addressed them with scripture. Here's a life application. Discipline yourself in memorizing scripture. Right, what do we do from these verses? Memorize scripture. Everyone gets smartphones. Put down alarm clocks. This is what I'm going to learn. As much as we focus so much on the physicality, which is very important, we neglect the thing that matters the most, our hearts. And our hearts is only preserved and spiritually preserved as we meditate on God's word alone. Our love for God is kindled through our time spent with him through scripture. But here's a biblical warning about our text. Be careful in thinking that the more you do for God, the more you will be protected from temptation. That's a lie. In all ministry aspects, as beautiful as ministry can be, for a lot of pastors and leaders of the church who has failed morally, all right, the biggest issue they would say in their counseling was they did more for God than spending time with God. I want you to hear me. They did more for God than spending time with God. Planting this church, my wife and I had to be very protective of who joined this church. Because we didn't want 50, 60, or plus whatever years of Christianity in this church. All right? We wanted people who just would come on commonality. We are desperate for Jesus. And you know the story of the church. 90% of our church was unchurched when we first started this church. Like, I mean, start, I mean, we had to deal with scraps in the church. Like, I'm not talking about verbal scraps, okay? I'm talking about physical altercation. The only church that I've ever pastored that experienced that. We, we, there's so much other things I can share with you. But here's the reality. When we are filled with the Spirit, by the understanding and revelation of the gospel, right? Nothing can stop the power of God. That's not me just trying to say a fancy term. That's me being honest and transparent with you. We have people who are dying daily without the gospel. And the seriousness of Christianity for us 
is secondary issues. I want you to see why Jesus hanged out in the wilderness. What happened when Jesus would go to this wilderness? The wilderness is recognized as a desolate place. But Mark, later on in our text, drop down to verse 35, says this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still what? Dark. Jesus departed and went to a what? That's the wilderness, right? And there Jesus did what? Prayed. Right? Very clear. Why did Jesus go to the wilderness? To seek God. To seek the Father. Why do we need to go to areas where it's desolate? Our quiet times, right? our devotional times. Because we need to hear from God. We need to spend time with God. And for a lot of people where I grew where I pastored in the south or, or in the west coast, I mean, this was normal for some of them, right? But when you come to the west, predominantly the Hawaiian Islands, which was once a kingdom and experienced revival, right? So they say that the west of the United States of America has not experienced a revival yet. And that's not entirely true. If they consider the kingdom of Hawaii to be a state now, literally, I mean, we have experienced revival. The kingdom of Hawaii was one of the largest Christian nations in the world, the largest, right? The, the highly Christian church up the road had the largest membership of indigenous believers in the world next to Charles H. Spurgeon's Tabernacle Church in London, right? So there wasn't a revival. So we're not a pre-Christian kingdom. You guys know me as a Hawaiian. I believe this is still a kingdom. We are the kingdom of Hawaii, but I understand the contextual issues we deal with, so therefore I have a U.S. passport, Go like all of us, right? It's the reality. That's what we're dealing with. This is how we're reaching Kanaka Maoles over here. We're addressing that, yes, we are a kingdom. Yes, we are illegally overthrown, but listen to me. That's no different from God's people in Israel in the Old Testament. There's still truth. There's still opportunity for us to make much of the name E.O., God, Jesus, right, that we can express to our culture. And so we see a clearly reality here that <clears throat> if there's no time spent with God, we are sunk, period. We can't do more for God, okay, and listen to me, and not spend time with God. Just as a vehicle need fuel, all right, believers need their Savior, Listen to me, but you cannot be in intimacy so long and do nothing with it. That's not true intimacy. That's sin. Because you're receiving all this ike and manao, and you're doing nothing with it. That's spiritually obesity. And obviously what goes in you must come out of you. And so my question to you today, when it comes to struggling with temptation, right, how is your time spent with God? Right? What is your approach to scripture? Do you have an approach? Is it a leisure approach? Is it a deep study approach? What is your approach to prayer? Is it just by, before meals? Right? Or do you understand that 95% of this city is not connected with an evangelical church? Are you desperate for God in your prayer? What is your approach to worship? And I'm just talking to music. It's easy for our band to get you all excited. Promise, how I know everybody's hands were lifted up in this room. It's easy. There's a danger, but there's a danger to think that our expression is the goal, when really it's the essence of the heart that's the goal. Our expression is the result of the essence of our heart. 
And we must understand that that comes directly from understanding the gospel. We can do all random acts of kindness and good things like we do at Ohana Church. I had about 80 football players in my small little homestead house down the road, right? right? Thank God it didn't stink like it usually does, right? But it was good. We was having a blast, right? Got to share the gospel by singing Ho'onani and, and sharing the gospel with my, my coaches who was drunk and boss and all that. Just, just living life. Yeah, why not? How are you going to reach sinners, right, if you just stay in here? Huh? Yeah, hang out with them. Go figure. Why? Because I am them. That's my people. That's the one I love. I am rooted in this Aina. Why? Because Jesus is here. Right? And I'm not trying to forget claps and applause. I promise you that. I've been in enough struggles in ministry that I don't need applause or acceptance. We are rooted in Christ. The gospel and the Holy Spirit loves on us and lavishes his grace on us. And here's a clarity of temptation. We give the enemy credit for attacking us with temptation. When at the same time, it's a beautiful thing, help me out, to watch God use his son to conquer temptation in our life through his humanity and lordship. That's u'inani. That's beautiful. That God could use something so evil to point us to his son, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. As I said earlier, Jesus is the answer to our tax of temptation. Jesus is a, Jesus isn't a model of what we need to live by. Jesus is the only model we live by. If there is a message and it's about your character alone, the preacher has failed to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must hear from both death to life, both from conversion to transformation. From both transformation to God's glory alone forever. Why? Because God is a God that doesn't partially save, but he eternally saves. That's a good God. That's a powerful God. Here's our last truth, and we be powerful. We see the connection between Jesus and the angels. In verse 13, it says, he was in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days, right? He was being tempted by Satan and and Mark is a fast gospel. He just drops the bomb and says it this way. And he was with wild animals. And yeah, angels were ministering to him. Right? Wild animals. I want you to see this beautiful picture. Let's address the angels ministering with him. The verse is both symbolic and literal. I want you to see this breakdown of symbolic. The wilderness. Right? The w- symbolic wilderness. The literal revelation of the wilderness is the fallen world. All right, we see in a desolate place of spending time with God by ourselves, but we see a desolate place of a wilderness filled with wild animals. It's the fallen world, right? Satan is the evil one in the fallen world. The wild animals is the demons that follow Satan, the fallen angels. And then the angels are the messengers, right? That's what angel means. What does that mean? Man, sometimes we're encouraged because God's spirit reminds us about what angels do. For us. All right, now whether you are a continuous, whether you are a sensationist, dispensationalist, whatever big word you want to use, okay, you have to see that God created angels to glorify God. And the way they glorify God 
is they also comfort Jesus. I want you to see that angels comfort Jesus. Angels even stand at the side of Jesus when he's coming back to lay his whoopings on Satan. All right? Angels will be supporting Jesus. We see that. We see so many things in Scripture. Let me break it down. Nine things we see in Scripture about angels. Number one, God created angels. Revelation is clear about that. Number two, in, Re- in Isaiah, we see that Satan was an angel. Number three, in Hebrews and Revelation, we see that a third of the angels followed Satan. When there was a battle before the foundations of the earth, when there was a battle in heaven, right, we saw that Satan took a third of them. Number four, we see that angels were created to worship God. Isaiah 6. I quoted some of that earlier in the message, right? Isaiah saw the throne of God clothed with angels and seraphim around him. Number five, angels are warriors of God in 2 Kings. Also in Revelation, we see that angels are protectors of the church, right? Every church, we see that all in Revelation. Here's the angel of this church. He's the angel of that church. All these churches, we see that angels are protectors over the church at large. Number seven, we see that angels are provided, providers based on 1 Kings 19. In the Gospel of Luke, we see that angels minister to us at death. And, and number nine, we see this, that in Colossians, angels are not, help me out, gods. So, Hawaiians, we're mystic people. Polynesia, we're, we're all about the, ooh, the feel good. That's why we drink. That's why we do all that stuff, because we're mystic people. We like emo- we're emotional beings, okay? And for a lot of times, we will talk about angels being this high super, su- superior authority and gods and all that. Listen to me. Put angels where they belong, all right? They're messengers of the God. That's it. They exist to glorify God. At the birth of Jesus, they exist to communicate to Mary that Jesus is going to be born to you, Mary. All right? Angels exist to sit around the throne and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All right? I want you to understand, put them where they belong. They belong in two spots. The fallen angels, evilness, temptation. When you're scrapping your wife or your husband or your kids or somebody out there, all right, you're facing the temptations of the devil in anger. They are influencing you. Ephesians 6 says it this way. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and cosmic powers of this world. Yes, when your child act up with you, they are being influenced and tempted by the devil and they're acting upon it. The battle is not between flesh and blood. The battle is between heaven and hell. It's bigger than physical issues. Listen to me. Everything that is physical is the result of things spiritual. Therefore, our minds and heart must be fixed on the things above and not what's on this earth. Because if we just glance into this narrow scope of the earth, we will miss out on the totality of the gospel that God has come to rescue sinners from death to life. Hallelujah. That's the gloriousness of the gospel. And so, so why is this connection with the Holy Spirit and with the angels, with Jesus, very important to us? Simple answer. Because Jesus sees and understands that you are a fallen human. Listen. And because you are fallen, you need somebody to make you rise up. Your works won't do it. 
Your education won't do it. Your position in the community won't do it. Jesus will. The Lord Jesus will. Jesus is the answer to our temptation. Learn scripture. Meditate on it. Proclaim it. Share it. Verbalize it. And this is where I want us to practically see where we're at as we end our text today. Here's two things I want us to look at. A genuine confession always results into a genuine change. So, this is what we're going to do, Hoines, and Hoin Ha. We're going to confess. We're going to share a pool vial. Hey, brah, I need to be changed. I get so much in me, Hoin. I got to let them out, but I cannot hold them in anymore. I got to tell people about them. Why? Because the confession of our lips will be the change of our heart. I'll ask Kyle Marcus and Connie, come out.